0: why are you not sleeping better? What are your barriers to getting the quantity and the quality of sleep that you need? And what other areas of your life is this impacting, perhaps gravely? Stick around and find out from today's guest, a sleep expert, a sleep coach, an unashamed sleep geek, Amy Cornrevis. Welcome to the Deeper Motivation Show. It is I, your friendly neighborhood podcast host, John Carrier. Stick around while I interview experts in mind and body wellness, and people just like you, who have beaten burnout, broken through barriers, and built balance for a life they really want. Are you driven and motivated, but feel like you need to dive deeper? Well, you've come to the right place because when it comes to taking better care of ourselves and achieving our goals, what most people know is just the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to The Deeper Motivation Show. This is episode number two. And today we have another guest that I'm very, very excited about. Very different from uh, our first guest and yet uh, an area that has really, really impacted my life, uh, and that is the area of sleep. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never, ever, 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 ever been what you would call a good sleeper. I turned 47 uh, not too long ago. And in all those 47 years, I have, I can say, uh, until very recently, never had what one would call good sleep hygiene. Like When I was a kid, I always resisted my bedtime, never really saw the point to it. I wanted to stay up and read or play computer games or just use my imagination. When I got to school, I was very, very... Uh, Driven and competitive, and so sleep was like the enemy at the projects that I wanted to do, or more likely, the papers I had to finish. I became like proud of my ability to like pull all nighters consecutively. And throughout my life, I've always thought of sleep as kind of this annoying necessity. And I thought about going to bed at night as a kind of giving up. Right, I'm sort of giving up on the day and all that I wanted to accomplish. And let me tell you, this has not helped me in good stead health wise in my recent studies and i hope to get a little bit healthier i've been finding out that sleep has a big impact on your mental health on your physical health sleep helps you recover from uh, physical exercise Sleep helps you recover from upsetting things that happen during the day, how your mind sorts those and hangs on to them or lets them out or uses them constructively. I heard some people say that sleep is the number one most important thing to get dialed in to help you with everything from nutrition to exercise to just having the proper mindset for going about your day. And so you can imagine how excited I was when I met uh, for the first time a sleep expert so, I met today's guest in the forum of a community called the Flipped Lifestyle Community. It's this great online community of people who are driven in their careers, driven teachers and coaches and uh, guides and entrepreneurs, but uh, with a real family focus because sometimes um, when you're meeting those uh, driven people, there's a sort of a hustle and grind vibe, not so much a family first vibe. And this uh, flip lifestyle has kind of a, a family first vibe to it, but also gives you the tools to find some balance in that. And Oh my goodness. When somebody introduced me to Amy Korn Revis, who's our guest today, this sleep coach, this sleep expert, this sleep geek, and she'll talk more about uh, why she's proud of that title. Uh, I was just really blown away talking to her. And so I wanted to share this conversation I had with her with you. And so before we get started, I just want to kind of put you in that frame of mind. How are you sleeping? Is sleep something that is a chore for you, a challenge for you? Um, is it something that you really prioritize? Some people have really good sleep hygiene, and I, I admire that, and I'm trying to adopt that myself. So just think about how you're sleeping. Think about the barriers that you have to getting a good night's sleep, whether it's a a quantity or quality of sleep. Hold on to those thoughts and buckle up for this great conversation with sleep expert and sleep coach and sleep geek, Amy Corn Revis. Let's learn together. Coming to the microphone, we have Amy Corn Revis, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Did my voice crack? That's how excited I am. I'm. I'm just. I'm just giddy because this is such an important topic to me that I'm just now learning way more about, and so I can't wait to get into this conversation. But first, I have to ask you: How does one earn the coveted title "sleep geek"?
1: (laughs) I because I've been doing the working in the field of sleep for almost thirty years, and I literally started with. Uh, a a photocopy of a book and a good luck. And as I worked in the field, I did my research and this is before you could do so much on the internet because I was working on a DOS computer. So that tells you how old I am. And um, I started the research. I kept going on the research and now like, I read everything I can get my hands on that has to do with sleep. Uh,
0: that That's, that's fascinating to me. Like I said, this is something that I've been learning more about recently, um, have not historically been a good sleeper myself. So I'm, I'm going to be, I'm glad this is recorded because I'm going to be taking furious notes later. Um, but I, I have to ask, like, why did you, why was it important to you to get into this work?
1: So originally I'm a respiratory therapist, which means that I ran around the hospital and helped people to breathe well. But one night I was working in the emergency room and they, a person came in who had been gored by a bull and everybody was like, oh, you've got to see this. You, you have to understand that we're in the hospital. We work in this guy's stuff. And they're like, this is so cool. And I walked in. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And they're like, oh, Amy's a little burnt out. We need help in the sleep lab. And. I, and I was always one of those ones who would volunteer to try something new. And so I went up there and started um, working in the sleep lab. Two days after I started, the person who was training me quit. So that's how come I ended up with a photocopy of a book and wow. a good luck. I, <laughs> I think that's how a lot
0: of us become... Uh- unwary experts in things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. And I was lucky. I had some doctors who were like, I would ask questions and lots of questions and they just supported me. And then I found some other people that I could talk to. And then I found research. I'd go down to the hospital library and find all the research I could on sleep. And so, and then I just, it just kept tumbling. So I worked in a sleep lab, then I ran a sleep lab. But one of the things I found is nobody really talks to people about sleep. Primary care doctors don't because they get an hour in medical school on sleep. And so they don't really talk about sleep. Sleep specialists will talk about certain sleep disorders, but they don't really give you like everyday solutions to your sleep problems. And so I saw this big gap and I've been talking about this now for a i guess 12 years 14 years that there's this big gap in healthcare that we're needing to fill to help people to sleep better mm-hmm. and so i decided i was going to go out to the public because nobody else is there you know that people are pushing pills and they're pushing devices and they're pushing products but really it's about changing things and how you do things and not just how you what happens in bed, because everything that happens before you get into bed affects how you sleep
0: that's awesome so so much of what you're saying fascinates me and and I'm still stuck on the the gourd by a bull thing were you working in Spain at the time no
1: I was working in Kansas City
0: okay yeah no I I, I I'm joking a little bit just because when I hear like Bulls I think of oh, you know there's the running of the Bulls in Pomplona but I'm also from East Texas so like yeah that that's that's the the uh the you know, kind of the standard industry where I, in the yeah. part of the country I'm from, is ro- rodeos. So, so that was it. That it was during a rodeo. Right.
1: It was during the time of uh, the American Royal Rodeo. So, yeah.
0: and I also, you know. You know, I've seen a lot of doctor shows. I've. Well, you're talking to a doctor. So oh, I've seen some doctor shows. I'm an expert yeah. in this, yeah, but, but I've seen those things. And one, one, one of my best friends, dad's growing up was, um, it was an ER doc and would come and tell us stories. And when you're in that, when you're in that field, people are like, Oh, here's a new thing we haven't seen in a while. Or people get right. excited about those. Oh, did you get an appendectomy today? Um, You know, that kind of, so people get excited about this when you're a specialist looking to help people. And, uh, but also that, uh, I don't know what to call it. That sort of Uh, scientific bias, the sort of behaviorism of sleep. So, you know, sleep is something that we, you know, we understand through electrodes, not through having conversations with people, you know, we we understand quantities, but not necessarily qualities and, and the human stories behind those qualities. And so it sounds like you really wanted to take a deep dive into that to understand, you know, where are these electrode readings coming from? Is that accurate?
1: So it was even more than that, because once I started working with people, and I started working with people who were getting CPAPs, and the doctors would say, here's a machine, good luck, right? Basically, you need to wear this eight hours a night, it's going to fix everything, and you're going to feel wonderful. And the fact is, is that starting on CPAP doesn't change the fact that you watch TV to fall asleep. It doesn't change that you're not getting sunlight in the morning. It doesn't Mm. change the behaviors that you had that you were using to sleep. So I started with my CPAP patients and getting them compliant, but giving them a better quality of life also, mm-hmm. because the CPAP improved the sleep, but the CPAP didn't teach them how to sleep better.
0: And if I understand the CPAP, that's like the fighter pilot mask. Well, that goes they're not this quite place. so bad. Okay, they, they
1: cover your nose, they sit up or they sit under your nose. Some of them are full face masks, but they're not they're not like you see on tv
0: gotcha gotcha but the doctors were just saying okay oh can't sleep here's a here's a machine
1: right go, you have sleep apnea you stop breathing right. during the night here's this but they wouldn't deal with any of the stuff that went with it gotcha. like any of the behaviors that you learned to cope
0: understood understood so spell out for me like what are some of those coping behaviors as you say Um, that people were engaging in that weren't necessarily constructive for them.
1: So like sleeping with the TV on, Mm -hmm. people don't realize that those infomercials at two o'clock in the morning are designed to wake you up, not by the sound, but by the lights, the flashing lights will wake you up. Mm -hmm. And that's the the point of it. Because when you're sleep deprived, you'll spend money without thinking. Mm. So, or they, 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 they watch TV. Now they scroll. Um, they they wait till they're exhausted before they go to sleep. And our body really isn't designed for us to wait till we're exhausted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We should have a regular sleep time, right? You should have a set sleep time. And what will happen is you'll find as you set that sleep time and you go to bed, your body will start to adjust your circadian rhythm so it knows when you're going to bed. It knows when it needs to start creating melatonin so you can go to sleep better mm-hmm. and easier and and people have this assumption, oh, I'm supposed to put my head on the pillow and I'm supposed to fall asleep immediately. And that's not true either. It just takes up approximately 20 minutes to fall asleep. So no, it's not normal to like hit your head on the pillow and fall asleep. That's mm-hmm. kind of a sign that you're sleep deprived.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So if you're, if you're falling asleep as soon as your head hits the pillow, it means your head should have hit the pillow a little while ago. Yes wow so this is all i I, if i see magog it's because so i'll just disclose a little bit i'm a 47 year old man and i confess that i have never in my whole life until a few weeks ago uh made any attempt at good sleep hygiene and you know when i was a kid these are just associations that i had that like sleep was um a loss of control frankly it was like that uh, a bedtime was something ugh, you know it's like homework and vegetables it's like something that was assigned to me that took away my agency and so it was it was always fun to see okay how how long could i stay awake uh you know how long could i subvert the rules maybe i'm just you know a little rebel or something but like how, how long could i push this and 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 i and I've since had several children <laughs> who and i've seen they do it like some of them out like a light at the same time every night. And if we're out and about and it's like, Oh, it's, it's eight 30. We're not home yet. This kid's going to be asleep before we get in the car. Um, but I never had good sleep hygiene as a kid. And then when I was in school and in high school and in college, um, you know, always taking on probably more work than I should have was, you know, Mm -hmm. all nighters were a standard thing. And, uh, and, and I just thought, Oh, I just, brush this off. I could show up for class the next day, drink enough coffee, prop my eyes open. And that's just how you got through the workload. And then as an adult, you know, in various jobs, I thought I always felt like sleep was a kind of, um, giving up on the day. Yes. Right. It's like, if I have the willpower, I can stay up enough to finish this assignment, finish this deliverable. Um, and so I'm going to stay up late and, and work on this. And then I'm too tired to actually get any good work done. So I'm probably just sort of watching TV until I fall asleep. Um, and I wake up the, the next morning, uh, try to bang out what I, what I had hoped to do the night before, still sleep deprived, uh, and then rinse and repeat. And so for me, sleep was always like the enemy. Right. And the more I've learned about how sleep supports metabolism, mental health, you know, uh, maintaining, you know, proper nutrition and weight and things like that, the more I'm like, man, I wish I could sleep for the rest of my life just to catch up. Uh, probably not. <laughs> like, I, got, I still got some important stuff to do. But, yeah. um, but you see what I'm saying? So I want to hear mm-hmm. more about that. Like, if we're if 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 sleep is the enemy, I'm not saying anybody else is as crazy as I am. Um, if if we treat sleep like the enemy, what are we missing out on?
1: So first of all, most people have the same kind of upbringing that you do. That I I, I need to be productive, and sleep is non-productive. But when you realize that our body does. So much in our sleep, it becomes necessary. You take your short-term memory, you put it into long-term memory. You produce your growth hormone in sleep. You heal your body in sleep. You uh, process your experiences in sleep. All these things in your brain can only do its maintenance work, its cleaning work when we're asleep. So like the long terms of sleep deprivation is poor health. They're finding sleep. People who have Alzheimer's have a history of sleep deprivation. Mm. There's these things that are that contribute to long-term health issues. But there's also this mental thing in our head that we have that sleep is non-productive time. Therefore, we should get as little of it as possible. And and this is universal because I work with people. I've worked with people over 30 countries now, and. This is a universal belief. Hmm. And as they start to realize that self-care and sleep as part of that self-care is actually as important, if not more important than your job, then then they realize that, well, maybe it's okay to sleep. And we have to start teaching ourselves to change that self-talk. When we Hmm. catch ourselves saying, I don't need sleep or sleep is is a waste of time or whatever the words are we have to catch ourselves say wait a minute that's not true our body does a whole lot when we're asleep and it's important for me to sleep so that way you're changing how you approach sleep
0: mm-hmm. uh, i think that's going to be a big uh, is going to be I hope people listening to this are getting inspired um that's going to be a big mind sh- mindset shift for mm-hmm. people so Talk me through that. Like, how does somebody who is, you know, hustle and grind? I'm going to sleep when I'm dead. Like, what's what's the first step that they need to take?
1: You need to choose your bedtime and make it a consistent bedtime. Now, an average adult needs between seven and nine hours sleep. I can't look at you say you're a seven hour person, an eight hour person, or a nine hour person. I'm not that good. I don't read minds and I don't read bodies. And because you're walking around sleep deprived, I wouldn't be able to tell you at this point anyway. So usually I start with seven hours because people can see that. But sometimes if they're only sleeping four or five, I may start with six hours just to, mm-hmm. so they start to get creative bedtime. And Then we slowly move it up. But choosing that bedtime becomes important because, and and, and then being a nine, an 80-20 person or a 90-10 person, because if you go into it and say, I'm going to go to bed every night at 10 o'clock. And then the first thing that comes up that keeps you from doing it it becomes like a diet. You know, you have that mm-hmm. piece of chocolate cake. The diet went out the window and nobody right. thinks about it again, right? It's oh, always it failed. If I
0: can't get it perfect, I'm not going to try.
1: Right. Why and it's I, not about that. I set that.
0: myself to, up to fail.
1: Right. So you have to be kind of that 80-20 person that, yes, I need to go out with friends because we're social animals too. So we can't give up our social lives to mm-hmm. sleep, you know? So we need some of that as well. But you have to balance it. And you have to there's things like you have to learn to say no, you have to learn how to create boundaries like sleep is about a lot of things, but it's not all about just what happens in bed. There's so many other things like creating boundaries, understanding time management, because if you don't have really good time management, then you, you don't then you end up working till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. And then you have to unwind and then you go to sleep. And then in the morning, when you wake up, you're not able to be as bright and productive.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So if I have a good seven, eight hours sleep, I'm a seven and a half hour girl. So if I get a good seven to eight hours sleep, I, I wake up and then I'm like, okay, my brain is fresh because I took all those long-term memories, emptied out the inbox Mm-hmm. Them into, uh, take, put them into long-term memory, the short-term memories. And and now I can start fresh so I can take the top two things on my to-do list and start working them with a fresh brain. And it will take me half the time. It would take me if I tried to do it at 10 o'clock last night.
0: It, it really sounds like, um, I mean, the, the phrase that's coming to mind, and I, I wish I could articulate better than this, push-ups for your brain right? It's like when you have a better level of physical fitness, uh, you can get more work done in a compressed amount of time.
1: Well, it's not just that. It's the number of pushups that you can do.
0: If you have that kind of uh, if you have that kind of strength, it's like, okay, if if I'm strong, I can lift more. Right. you know, I could take fewer trips between you know the car and the yeah. with the groceries and so so but by having that kind of sleep health, Mm-hmm. Um, my mind actually works more smoothly mm-hmm. during the day. And so instead of working all these hours, you know, on, with my mind running on half speed, cause I didn't get enough sleep. Um, I can actually get more done within a compressed amount of time, which then lets me go to bed earlier, which then creates yeah. this kind of flywheel, uh, virtuous, uh, cycle. And it's just a matter of that shift. I think that's yeah. kind of really hard for people, especially if you've built up bad habits uh, mm-hmm. for years or decades in my case. Um, so, you know, so bedtime, it sounds like the first kind of habit to implement. Um, walk me through, um, let's say I picked a good bedtime. Um, and I, I do my normal routine, which is, you know, probably watching TV until too late or hanging out with friends and da da, da da da. I'm like, oh, it's my bedtime. Why can't I sleep yet? Um, what do I need to do before my bedtime? Or how do I have that kind of smooth landing into so, sleep? That's going to guarantee yeah. me, you know, the, the seven hours I'm looking for, for example.
1: So like you want th- at least 30 minutes before bed to have a no screen time zone. Right, because all that light from the screens, it it activates your brain, and so it it thinks it's daytime, right? And so it's not going to make melatonin. We only make melatonin when we're exposed to dark. So you need to start kind of turning off the screens thirty minutes before. Do something that's relaxing that you find relaxing. Um, find ways to like turn off the hamster wheel in our brain. Because a lot of people struggle with that. You know, you lie down and then as soon as you lie down, that hamster comes out. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> and ha- then you I can't. I have no fall idea asleep. what you're
0: talking about. <laughs>
1: so there I have techniques that we yeah. we start to implement to help you turn off the hamster wheel. But there are other things also, like how you start the day actually influences your ability to sleep at night because we need sunlight in the morning to start setting our circadian rhythm. We get the surge of acetylcholine and some other hormones, including serotonin, in the morning. It slowly goes down through the day. When it hits its low point at night, it causes our sleep drive or desire to go to sleep. Now we all work from home and we barely step outside the house Mm. and we need that sunlight in the morning. We got it when we commuted. We don't get it anymore.
0: Wow. So this kind of shift toward working from home has actually kind of made things worse.
1: Yes. It has in a lot of
0: ways. That's surprising. I mean, I totally get it, but that's something I never would have thought of before um, because you think people have more time freedom now. Um, Oh, they have so much less. That's, that's so interesting to me. So I I I believe you, Um, but uh, what occurs to me is like we're talking a lot about like light and our perception of light, how that how that wakes us up, how that keeps us up. Um, You know, our brains haven't evolved that much since the advent of artificial light, (laughs) really, in the grand scheme of things. And so there's just these things that we're doing that are that are kind of hijacking our nervous system. Um, How does this work for? let's say somebody who's on the night shift, who doesn't have access to those normal circadian ry- rhythms? Like how does somebody, uh, I don't know, hack it?
1: So there's a lot of changes that we make. One is I need to know whether you're flip-flopping or if you're keeping pretty close to that same, because you we are not designed to flip-flop. You can't work mm-hmm. three 12-hour nights and then work be days during the rest of the week. You can kind of Tweak it a little bit so it's a few hours off. So there's a nap and and a few hours off. But you your body they've proven that doing that flip flop actually increases your risk of cancer like by three times and 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 so many health issues with it. But there are things like um, circadian rhythm lights that you use at night to help get you that surge of serotonin so you're more awake. Um, There there are behaviors. We have to talk about when you eat and when you eat what meals, because our body isn't designed that way. And so our digestive system isn't designed that way. And so we have to think about when we eat what. So mm-hmm. there's a lot with night shift that that comes into learning how to handle it.
0: So you're you're you were talking about, you know, what we eat. And I'm curious about uh what impact sleep has on metabolism and nutrition uh and and vice versa like how how does sleeping help with what we're eating and how does and how can what we're eating help with sleeping does that make sense
1: yeah so when so there's you can find research that will say whatever you want to believe so i want you to 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 go in with that if you want to dispute me that's fine you will find the research to support that okay that's just the way research is done But when you think about it, one, we want to stop eating three hours before bed because we want everything to be digested because our whole metabolism slows down. That means all the food in our body kind of sits there and doesn't do anything. So you want to wait like three hours after you eat to go to bed or make your dinner time that the caveat to that is some people have low blood sugar problems. They should have a light snack before dinner. They know who they are. Um, but the other thing is, is when we're sleep deprived, we don't have as good access to our frontal lobe. Our frontal mm. lobe, right behind this part here, is where we make all our critical decisions. It's where our emotional intelligence is, it's where all the 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 important stuff happens, right? And so, if you're sleep deprived and you don't have as good access to that, you're not going to make good decisions. Plus, then your brain says, "Oh, I'm tired. Let's increase our sugars." So we get, and we want hyper hyper tasty foods. So like processed foods. Our brain is designed when we're sleep deprived to want those hyper processed foods, and so that doesn't make for good. Like, weight, weight management, plus the fact that, again, if you're working out as part of your weight management, we only heal. And and when you exercise, you're putting stress on your muscles and everything. We only heal in our sleep. Mm. So you're not doing, you're not, you need sleep to recover from working out. And if you're sleep deprived, then you're missing that part of the sleep that allows you to recover. And so, and then you work out again the next day, you're putting that much stress and inflammation into your body.
0: Yeah. You're just giving me flashbacks here to times when I was really intentional about getting in shape and I would work out like a fiend and I would be really careful about my diet all day. Um, And then, you know, that magic hour for me, everybody's is different, was about 10 o'clock. Yes, And about 10, like I was really good on my meal plan until about 10 o'clock. And then it's like, let's just stand and eat in the pantry.
1: <laughs> right. And, like, and that's and because a, really the what you needed to stuff. do was go to yeah. bed. Right. But, you're, but because you knew you were going to resist it, your brain's like, okay, we want instant energy and we want hyper tasty foods and we want everything mm-hmm. processed.
0: Right. my Because it's 10 o'clock. My, 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 uh, my prefrontal cortex has already gone to bed or it's trying to it's, it's operating at half speed. I'm making bad decisions. I'm eating stuff that is then going to further, uh, inhibit the quality mm-hmm. of the quality and quantity of my sleep, um, mm-hmm. because I haven't made good decisions beforehand. Right. Uh, so that's, you just, you're reading me like a book here, doc. So, <laughs> uh, so th- this is exciting. If, uh, tell, tell me more about the work that you do today. Like I know you were, you know, running with the bulls. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I'd like to maybe come back so, to the, you use the words burnout, which actually resonates with me quite a bit. Yes. And maybe we can come back to that, but, um, Tell me about the work that you do now. Who you're most excited about working with? In case somebody's listening to this, that you can really help, spell that out for me.
1: So I work with people who are struggling with their sleep. My biggest group of clients is actually 28 to like 35 year olds who are they're growing their career, they're busy, they're starting relationships or they're dating, and they're they're, they're they they don't have that time management down necessarily. They don't have the boundary set. They're working hard and they don't, they were never taught the skills that they needed to, to make themselves their priority.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Because sleep is part of making yourself a priority. It's a part of you putting yourself on your calendar. Like we put everybody else on our calendars but we don't put ourselves on our calendars to sleep. So I work a lot with that age group of the like middle management managers of managers. That's not to say I don't work with a lot of people like me who are in their forties and fifties and sixties, because we have our own sleep problems, but I find that the, the, the younger people are struggling so much and that, There's so many little little tweaks because I believe in making small changes and then building on them. Mm -hmm. And by making these little tweaks in your life, you will see such big results to your sleep. And so, I usually work one on one. I I I do have a group coaching program that I'm starting because I think that there are some people who might feel more comfortable in a group session versus a one on one. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I. I work with you and it's usually anywhere from eight weeks to 12 weeks. But my belief is, is that I charge you for my program and we get you to sleep well. And, and so if it takes us a little longer, it takes us a little longer, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but it's all about finding those little tweaks to make and then building on them and keep building on them till you can sleep well, and you feel less rest- rested, and you feel refreshed, and you feel oh, this is good.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so uh, tell me about a client, and, and how do I want to put this? Because, because of course, you're working with people confidentially. But it, has there been a particular client whose progress just really surprised you? Even that just somebody who, like, okay, this is why I'm in this business.
1: Oh, I have a few of them, but I have one gentleman that I loved working with, and he was a dad with a baby on the. He wasn't having the baby, baby on the way. Working full time at a very intense company, and um, he wanted to know how he could sleep better and how he could teach the, his child to sleep better, and so we started with both of them. Right, getting the the the, the three year old to to sleep better and his habits to sleep better, and then once they had the baby, we started talking about how do we sleep train the baby, and at what age and what can he do so that way he doesn't have that same problem that he had with the three year old. But then he ended up sharing with his wife, so she was sleeping better. So like we changed the whole family, right? And a whole family dynamic. And now this three year old's going to grow up knowing that sleep is important. The baby's going to grow up knowing sleep is important. Both parents are sleeping better. So the relationship is better, mm-hmm. right? Because if mama ain't sleeping and mama's not happy, nobody's happy. I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> this and is so, so remarkable. So we did that and we talked about things like time management. But we also talked about things like taking time to recharge because we don't do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the biggest surprise I have is I'm like, so what do you enjoy? What do you do in your life that brings you joy? And people are like, um, 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 yeah. And it's like my biggest homework question. You have to figure out what brings you joy. And I'll start saying, well, what did you do in high school and college? And they're like, not much, you know, like hang out with my friends and that's it. So like, Understanding that you have to have joy in your life and you have to recharge, that's part of what's causing all this burnout is people think their job is everything or mm-hmm. they think that taking time for things that bring us joy is a waste of time. And they don't realize that that is actually what's going to keep you from burning out and actually make you more successful at work.
0: That, that's that's a really remarkable observation and we're getting back to that word burnout again and i have a a question about that but just i want to notice something you were talking about is that when you were saying earlier okay tell me something that brings you joy uh, or uh, in that you can wind down with Mm -hmm. i had trouble coming up with stuff Right, I, I had, you know, I had trouble thinking. Okay, what, what I, what, what I usually do to, you know, kill time, um, has to do with lights, has to do with whether I'm watching TV or sometimes it's been playing video games or, uh, or engaging, you know, on the computer or something, um, but that just that you blew my mind and 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 that you've noticed that for so many other people uh, about a greater kind of, I don't know, societal mindset mm-hmm. that it's all about productivity um and and i'm not knocking productivity i'm not saying you know workers of the world unite or anything but like just let's make some room for Mm -hmm. that kind of joy and so to bring this back uh to you if i may um what what do you think it was that people were seeing in you that are like we gotta shift amy to the sleep lab
1: why did i get shifted to the sleep lab i I was burned rest to be a respiratory therapist, a good respiratory therapist, you have to be an adrenaline junkie. And I was raising two kids. I was working night shift. I love respiratory therapy. Don't get me wrong. But I was past being the adrenaline junkie that I was when I was younger. And so they were like, you know, sleep is more about one-on-one. And I'm really good with the one-on-one. Like my patients, I always cared about my patients. It didn't matter. Like, even if I was in the ER, if I was that person that would help the nurses with stuff that needed to get done, if a patient needed to be rolled or, you know, whatever needed to be done, I didn't mind doing it. So when they saw that, they thought, oh, well, in the sleep lab, you're working very closely. You, ha- you you're you literally in the person's bubble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because they, watching- they have those bubbles. Right. But you have to put all these wires on. And so you're in that person's bubble. And so you have to have somebody that they're comfortable with. And then I made them feel comfortable, but then you're also watching them sleep. And if people aren't comfortable with the person watching them sleep, they're not going to sleep well. And so they thought that I would be a good match up there. Mm -hmm. What they didn't expect was that I understood the science of it. So well, so fast, Mm -hmm. like, like the, even the doctors were like, like you ask these questions and it's like, like they, they, and they didn't mind answering. And I I would sit there and I'd be listening intently and they'd be like, oh, you really want to know? I'm like, yes, I really want to know.
0: (laughs) So So I'm just enjoying observing you tell this story because it's like, you know, you're, you're in one role. Um, people are noticing, I guess, the, the, that, you know, that, 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 that smoke smell, of <laughs> burnout, yeah. and then they shift you to something. But then it's like, how you change when you shift from this role, that is, you know, exciting, you're well prepared for you're good at it, but it's not as healthy for you as it was before. And then you mm-hmm. shift into a different focus. And just the way you light up, talking about it, about having that different kind of focus, having that, that, that um, one-on-one and how that I'm guessing just like change your experience of work.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, at the time that I went into it, I thought I would just be a sleep tech forever, but then I've had the opportunity to not only do that, but to, create a college program for sleep techs. I had the opportunity to teach that program. I've had the opportunity to manage a lab and to bring people in and train them to be sleep techs and send them out into the world. And some of them are now managers in sleep labs. So I got, and then I am slowly in my way, changing how the sleep techs view the field.
2: Mm.
1: Because that's, that's the next thing is like, making making the next generation of me Mm -hmm. right i need to replace me i need to train the next generation of me and so that's kind of part of the joy of this is like i'm getting to do some of that as well
0: that's awesome and there i'm seeing a a shift in consciousness about sleep um Mm -hmm. i'm hearing more and more people say things like you know, if if you want to be healthy, the number one thing before anything else you need to dial in is your sleep quality. Absolutely. And so that's why I was so excited to have you on the show today. Um, so I, I really hope that people are going to work with you directly. If people aren't ready yet or don't have the bandwidth, help me out with some kind of quick hits here. Like, are there particular products? Are there particular books that you recommend to people? Or what other resources do you guide people toward?
1: So there are a couple of books that I like. Um, Why We Sleep is probably the best one. It's all encompassing. Um, I believe that we need sunlight in the morning if you live in a place that doesn't have sunlight in the morning because, you know, it's December tomorrow. (laughs) You know, we are in the middle of window. Sunlight simulating light is not very expensive anymore. You can get them on Amazon and using that for a half hour in the morning, using it properly, you know, it's gotta be in front of you into the side and at least an arm's length away. Mm. So it's in your peripheral vision, um, will help you to kind of sleep better at night. And then creating that, that bedtime routine is really important.
0: Right. So, so walking my dog at the crack of dawn is not only good for my dog. It sounds
1: like it's perfect for you. And the dog, because then you're both getting your sunlight for your circadian rhythm.
0: That's awesome. I, I can't believe I just said the W-A-L-K word out loud when she's over there in the corner. Now she's looking at me. Um, you see, now I have uh,
1: earphones on. So my my dog who is sitting underneath my desk uh, didn't hear that. Because okay, he is a, a 33-pound pug okay. who snores while I sleep, Coach. And he always wow. makes me smile.
0: That's, that's so funny. It's like that. That's like the soundtrack to the, to the sleep clinician is, is the sound of a snoring snoring. pug.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I have my, now mine's a 90 pound German shepherd with an extensive vocabulary. So like we spell, we spell around her, like we had a three-year-old in the house, for example. Um,
1: Ours knows how to spell. <laughs> like if I went to spell that word, he would yeah. know what it is and would be in my lap saying, "Oh, good, we're going." Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh,
0: what about? Uh, I hear people talk a lot about mattresses, like mattresses, pillows, other accoutrement, okay, weighted blankets. So, like so,
1: there's lots of accessories. Mm-hmm. So the thing about mattresses, one, they need to be changed every ten years. You need to purchase a new one about every ten years. But mattresses are very personal. And they need to be supported, supportive to you. Mm -hmm. And you have to be comfortable with it, right? You and, and if you're sleeping with somebody else, something that's comfortable for both of you. And that can be a little bit challenging. I don't recommend a particular brand because it's all about, but I do say, If you're going to go with something that's not like a sleep number or something like that, you want something that has individually wrapped coils because that's going to be more responsive to your weight, your pressure points. Mm -hmm. Um, I like things that have natural fibers. I believe in natural fibers. Um, And then you have to watch that foam gets too hot. Right. So be aware that like some of these these foam mattresses can get really hot. And if you sleep hot, like I am a blast furnace, except for my feet, Mm -hmm. which my husband complains about all the time, (laughs) but I sleep hot. So if I sleep hot, I don't want to be on a foam mattress because uh, that's just going to make me hotter. Mm -hmm. So you've got to kind of think about what is next to you. Right. Gotcha.
0: A uh, cold uh, room.
1: Cold room. To have a cold room. Research says that the ideal temperature for a bedroom when you sleep is 68 degrees. I live in Florida. I couldn't afford to keep my room at 68 degrees right. on a good day. But yes, a cooler room. Um, dark. Low noise. No noise. But no noise is, is an ideal. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes white noise works really well. Mm -hmm. and white noise does not have to be a fan and nowadays the fans all the fans don't make noise anyway so like using a white noise app is not a bad thing you just don't want it so loud that it's going to disturb your sleep you want it just kind of loud enough just for you to hear Mm -hmm. um you want comfortable sheets comfortable blanket Weighted blankets are specifically were specifically designed for people who are high stress, high anxiety, autistic, those type of people whose nervous systems are oversensitive. The weighted mm-hmm. blanket helps to to calm the nervous system. It is hot and it is heavy, it is not the best thing to sleep with. That is not what it was designed for originally. You want to, to um what was the, the pillows pillows are an important thing. Remember you are pushing your head all that weight on that pillow every single night, no matter what the manufacturer is telling you that will not support you forever. They're usually good for about a year. Mm. So realize when you're spending a lot of money on a pillow that you're going to be throwing it out in a year. So do I suggest really expensive pillows? No. Do I suggest the ones that are kind of that foam shaped one? Remember, that's hot
2: mm.
1: because it's foam. So, if you like it, that's great. If you don't, I use bamboo pillows. I get at Costco, and I, so that, I change about every six months.
0: Yeah, that that's fast. Like it never ever occurred to me uh, how often one should change one's pillow right it's like i i, I don't rem- like when we get in a new bed or move into a new house or something often oh i'm at I- ikea anyway let's you know stock up on pillows mm-hmm. um but have had probably the same pillow for for years uh nobody get gr- grossed out here uh, have had the same pillow for years <laughs> and it worked just fine and i never maybe i'll add another one on top of it when I, after i smush it down but the idea that you know you know, change pillows as often as you might change the air filter, uh, in your, in your AC or something, just because that's what you need for that kind of support, because that's affecting, you know, how you're bending your spine and stuff while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's critical as well. So, uh, anytime I'm talking to an expert, like you, I, I have to ask, like, what am I not asking? What's like, if you had a, if you had a, you know, somebody called up and said, Amy, um, we just had samsung cancel and so you have a billboard on times square for a day what's the most important message you want to get out to people
2: i that that being sleep
1: deprived will rob you of your health i think that that we value our health more now and i think that that people don't realize how much sleep affects every other aspect of your life and your health.
0: Uh, that's, that's, that's so true. And I'm so grateful that you've been able to be on the show. Uh, how can people work with you if they're if they're interested in this sleep coaching that you're talking about? What's the best way to find you?
1: So I have a website. It's com. I have, you can in, uh, email me at info at Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram. So you can always message me. I am that person. I'm like, I'm a little bit passionate about sleep. (laughs) So if somebody asks me something, I'm always going to answer them.
0: I'm glad somebody is finally <laughs> like I, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a newbie in this, but I'm getting really excited about it. And all the more um, grateful to be able to talk to you I just something that occurs to me before we sign off. Um, this is a big revelation to me, this idea of, I mean, it, it makes sense. And now that I look back on it, but this idea that as we've shifted um, more working from home, what's something that we need to watch out for that we didn't need to watch out for before when it comes to sleep hygiene
1: our boundaries our boundaries we are we used to commute so you would commute to work you'd have that time to to focus and you get to work and then you would commute home and you would stop working when you left the office and commuted home now we have no boundaries whose work is in our living room, or work is in our uh, our home office, or worse, work is in our bedroom, right? And so, we don't have these boundaries anymore. And so, we don't understand that we need to take time in the morning. We need to take some time at the end of the workday. We need to not get back on the computer or check the emails or anything else when we're done with working for the day.
0: So, So, as we're gaining flexibility, we need to put in more systems, it sounds like, yes. so that we can maintain better health through sleep, which impacts nutrition, impacts metabolism, impacts our ability to heal if we're exercising, to heal if we're not exercising. Um, so many things. Mm-hmm. It really sounds like sleep is just sort of the, the bottom of this pyramid, it's holding everything yes. else up. Um, so all the more so, I'm so grateful that you could take this time with me today. Amy corner everybody, thank you so much for being on the Deeper Motivation Show. I'm so grateful to you. It was my pleasure. All righty then. Thank you for joining me and Amy for this great conversation. I hope you got a lot out of it. I certainly got a lot out of talking to her. And uh, I started reading that book that she recommended. I'm just looking because it's on my shelf over there. uh, Why We Sleep. I will link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to Amy's website in case you want to know more about her, uh, see some of the resources she has on there, and even work with her. Highly recommended. So thanks again for hanging out. And until next time, peace. Thank you for joining us today for the Deeper Motivation Show. All the resources mentioned today, as well as a full transcript of the show, can be found at our website at deepermotivation.com. If today's episode made you happy, leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice is just the sort of thing that happy people do. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a single weekly episode. One more thing, last but not least, before we go our separate ways, I wanted to offer you something I have prepared for you. Based on my own studies and research and my own personal experience of being a driven person who I'll admit has not always been so good at keeping my balance in life, keeping my head in the game or keeping myself healthy for those I serve and those I love. It's a brief guide entitled Four Things Driven People Need to Beat Burnout, Break Barriers, and Build Balance for a Life You Really Want. I know, the title's about half as long as the whole guide, but I want you to know exactly what you're getting. If that sounds like something you want or something you need, head on over to deepermotivation.com forward slash four things and get your copy today. That's deepermotivation.com forward slash the number four, the word things, all smushed together. Until next time. Remember that you are so much more than what people see on the surface, and until we meet again, stay chilly my iceberg.